that's good. <clears throat> uh, well, I'll make a few announcements. You can be turning the church Bibles to 1402, 1402. Pretty close to the end there. First John chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 18 today. Uh, real quick, um, you'll notice Kathy is with me today. She's with our daughter who had a little grandson on Wednesday. And they're all doing well. Uh, aside from not getting a whole lot of sleep, I think they're doing real well. So we'll, uh, we're really excited about that. His name is Gabriel. Uh, we also want to keep in our prayers Rochelle. She leaves, is it tomorrow she leaves? To go to study abroad at Oxford. Wow, it's a long way from home. <laughs> we'll be praying for her to have a safe trip and uh, not to forget where she came from <clears throat> above all. We're really glad to have Adam and, and Evan with us today. Good to have you guys from out west. And in, um, Angelica, almost got that wrong. Good to have you and your sister and, and family with us today. And I also want to mention Memorial Day, uh, too, because we're so thankful for all those who have given so much for our worldly freedoms, but we don't ever want to forget the one that gave everything for our spiritual freedoms, above all. Uh, we're going to read in verses 18 through 21 of 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege that we have, Lord, just to come today and to give you all praise because you have overcome death and sin, God. And if we <clears throat> will come and, Lord, just then we'll fall at your feet and follow you all the days of our life, Lord, every day make a decision to be... Um, your people and to allow you to be lord of our life each day father that sin has been overcome for us uh, for eternity we bless you today for all that are here we we do pray for those not with us and we just lift up these that are on the list this morning god we pray that you would be there for each of these uh lord and the and i lord i just can't uh, hardly get the uvalde uh, community off my mind and my heart this week uh, lord we lift up that situation to you and uh what a terrible reminder that evil is uh, in this world. And so uh, just pray you be with those families, uh, all that were involved there, uh, all that were in charge around that situation. God, that somehow your peace could, could overcome the chaos uh, and the destruction. We bless you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that, uh, that there's always hope, Lord, in your name. And I pray that these families find it. Uh, someone will lead them to your feet we pray and uh, we just thank you lord that um, that we all have uh, eternal um, hope lord that when we we come before you if we humble ourselves and change our ways and lord just to allow you to lead us lord we have we have eternally hope and so father we thank you for, for the opportunity to come and to lift these up. I do pray that, Lord, you be for all. We pray that you be with all those who have given so much um, to serve our country, 
and to protect the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. Bless them, Lord, and I, I pray you bless them for their sacrifices that they've made and their families have made, uh, Lord, as we remember them this weekend. But above all, Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be your people and that we would know you and we would know your son. And Lord, we would always remember that the world is full of evil, is uh, run by evil, and that things that are only in your name, Lord, is their life. And so we thank you for that truth that we read this morning. And you will guard us from picking up anything that could be an idol that would be in the way uh, of worshiping you. We bless you, Lord. We pray your mighty hand would be with us today as we worship and as we learn that your word be proclaimed and that our hearts would be prepared to receive your word today. In Jesus' holy name, we pray all these things. Amen. stand one more time.
when my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore Forgive 
Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He Good morning. Well, I'm excited about the message that the Lord has for us today as we continue studying in the book of John. So if you'll open with me, if you're in your church Bibles, it's going to be on page 1238. We're going to be in the book of John, chapter 12. Last week we read and studied about where Mary came and anointed the feet of Jesus. 
and what a powerful place it was. I, if you haven't listened to that message, I pray you'll go back and, and listen to that message and, and allow the Lord to speak to you. And I pray the Lord will speak to you today in the words that he's given me. I, um, I saw so many things. I'm excited to share them with you. So we're going to start in verse 12. This is after Mary has anointed the feet. In fact, I want to just briefly go back to 12.1. It says, then six days before the Passover. So this was, last week we talked about this, six days before the Passover. Six days before Passover, that would be day nine. And it's so important that we catch that. So Passover is on the 14th of Abib, the 14th of the month. So the 14th, the 13th, the 12th, the 11th, the 10th, the 9th. So when we are looking at this and it says six days before Passover, we miss some things if we're not careful. So it's actually the ninth day of Abib that this is happening. Why that is important is because then in verse 2, it says then that night they had a supper for Lazarus being raised from the dead. So that, as you remember, the Jewish understanding of counting the days, it starts at sundown. So the 10th day now starts at sundown for the supper. Then as we start with our message today, it says the next day. So on the 10th day evening, the next day is the 10th day. So it's the night and then the day. So we have the 10th day that this is happening on. So let's begin there. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So, that's our scripture reading for today that we're going to find our message in. But one of the things I want you to make note of is on this 10th day of Abib, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. That's on the 10th day. If you go back and study in Leviticus how God set up in motion how they would celebrate the Passover, which is what they're fixing to celebrate right here, then the lamb was brought into the house on the 10th day of Abib. So we see that God is bringing his lamb into the house of Jerusalem on the 10th day. On the very day that everyone is bringing their lamb into the house to prepare it, to get ready for it to be offered on the Passover day on Abib 14. So I just love seeing that, that God is not by coincidence. He set in motion the things that he had written about all the way back in the days of Moses. So Jesus comes in on, on a donkey, 
And uh, that is very important. I want us to look at this a little bit. And I also want us to look at a little bit about what they were singing. Because as they prepare for the Passover, they would sing, and this was customary for them to sing what is called the Hiel, and that is Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. This place comes out of Psalms 118, where they are saying, Hosanna. And that word is such a great word to understand. It means save now. They were, they were coming along. Jesus is coming in. They have heard all these great things. In the days of Moses. So Jesus come, So as they are coming in and singing the Hiel, save us now. But what was in their heart it's not exactly what the Hiel was talking about. And I see so many times we're in the same way. We have our own ways that we want Jesus to save us from things. These people, as they were coming along and praising him and laying out palm branches and even saying, you're the king. You're the king of Israel. Save us. But their heart was to be saved from the physical things. From the, from the tyranny, of, tyranny of Rome. From the things going on around them in the political world. They wanted to be saved from that. They had not understood that that's not what the Hiel was about, and yet they're singing that. And I think so many times we come in the same way, even in our prayers, as we cry out to the Lord to fix things in our world. And yet what he is saying so clearly here to these people in the place of coming on a donkey is something quite different. So they're singing in this place. He's coming in on a donkey. That doesn't mean much to us. But in this day and time, it said a lot. First of all, it fulfills the prophecy in Zechariah. So if you'll put your marker here, we'll look at that. Turn with me to page 1098 to Zechariah 9. chapter 9, verse 9. I love for us to be able to see these things. It says, in verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt and a foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nation. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends 
of the earth. So this place that 500 years <coughs> before Jesus comes into Jerusalem, Zechariah is writing this place of Jesus that he would come in and that he would be just and he would <coughs> bring salvation. But it says he would be lowly. That's not how we expect our king to come. But you see, in the very first part of, of verse 9 there, it says, Behold, your king is coming to you. Behold, your king is coming to you, riding on a donkey. But then it also says, And he shall speak peace to the, to the nations. This understanding of a donkey rather than a horse. A horse is symbolic of war. A donkey is symbolic of peace. In fact, as I did a little studying on this donkey, I found that the donkeys were used oftentimes, thank you, to bring uh, someone in that is signing a treaty. In other words, it is almost like waving a flag of peace as you come in. They're, he's riding on the donkey. So we can't miss this place as Jesus is coming in, as they are singing out, King, you are the King of Israel, save us. He is, but they are wanting a different place of salvation. They are wanting it to be fixed the way they want it. They are wanting God to do a mighty work and sending a king to establish his throne when this is not the point in time when Jesus is doing that. The day will come when Jesus will come, and he will establish his throne, and he will rule. But as we saw and as, we, as Susan was praying in this place in Uvalde, we see that the king of this world is not Jesus. The enemy rules this world, and we're in it. And oh, our hearts long for the day when Jesus would come back and to rule this world. But today, he's bringing something else. So what is he bringing? Because as we look into this world and we see that he's bringing peace, and yet this peace is not, we're not seeing it in the world, are we? But the peace that he's talking about here, the peace that he's bringing is not the peace of everything is going to be fine in your world. That's not the peace that Jesus has brought to us at this point in time. In fact, he tells us there's going to be trials, there's going to be difficulties, but he would be with us. So the peace that he is demonstrating and the peace that he's helping us to see here is the peace between mankind and the Father. That there would be peace in the heavens. I want to go on and, and show you a little something else to 
help us to see this a little more clearly is turn with me to Luke. It's on page 1210, Luke 19. Luke tells the, the same story, but he gives us a little more details that I think are so powerful that we don't want to miss. Starting in verse, chapter 19, verse 28, it says, When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethage, Bethage and Bethany at the mountain called Avalet that he sent two of his disciples. Now you remember all of these things. They're symbolic and they have understanding for us. The two means witnesses. It's symbolic. God's number two always means witnesses. So it's saying he sent two witnesses ahead to, to do what he has for them to do. Saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why you loose you, loosing it, Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Well, this is such an interesting place. It seems like just a story, but Jesus is always teaching us in a deeper understanding. And that's the place when we read the Bible, we have to be looking into what he's showing us. And he began to help me to understand. He opened my understanding about this donkey, this colt, that's truly a donkey colt. And it represents peace. And it enacts the treaty. It, it ushers in the one that's bringing the treaty. So I want you to see that so clearly. As Jesus is riding in, he's ushering in peace and a treaty. A treaty to who? A treaty to God on our behalf. But then it says that you'll find the coat tied and then he says to loose it, and on which no one has ever sat. The colt was tied. I looked this word up because God began to tell me so clearly. He said, this is the same word that you find in Matthew 16, 19, the word bound. This is a bound understanding. And he's saying it needs to be loose. And we studied this several years ago, that this place of binding and loosing and what it means is what is forbidden. He is forbidden. What is forbidden is bound up. And, it ha and what is loose is going to be allowed. So what is forbidden is the unlawful things of this world. And peace is forbidden between mankind and God because of sin. Can you see that? But Jesus is coming in and loosening it, allowing it to happen. 
the word for loose here actually means lawful or allowed. Jesus is allowing for this peace to happen through his sacrifice that will bring peace between mankind, those who receive his peace, and God. Fellowship will be restored between the Father and mankind, those who choose to receive. It goes on to say, if anyone asks, why are you losing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. It's for his purpose. God is doing these things in the physical to show us a spiritual understanding of how Jesus would bring this peace for God's purpose, for the Lord's purpose. I also began to look at this place that um, shows that this cult that no, on which no one has ever sat. It's just funny what God allows the Holy Spirit to give to each writer of the gospel to put into the message that has something to speak to us. So we see this place of peace. We see this place of where it was forbidden. Peace was forbidden between God and mankind until Jesus' sacrifice that brought the peace. But why would he tell us that no one has ever sat on this? And he brought me to an understanding that uh, is amazing. So let's put your marker here. Take it out of John or put you a piece of paper or something because we're going to come back to Luke again in just a minute. But I want to go to Numbers 19.2. It's on page 175. This place of saying no one had set on it is a place of really an understanding that no one was yoked with it, that no one had harnessed this donkey, that no yoke had been placed upon it. So looking at Numbers 19, Verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they may bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. This is a picture in so many places, of Jesus coming, of bringing peace 
to mankind between peace uh, mankind and the Father, but it is also unfolding how that will be. And he is represented here as the red heifer. The red heifer was so powerful in as you go and study it because its uh, ashes were part of the purification for sin. But it's very specific, not only just for sin, but it was for purification from those who had been around or touched something dead. Jesus is helping us to understand as he tells us this story that he's been with those that are dead. He's coming on this cult of peace that has never been yoked with mankind. In the same picture that the red heifer was never yoked, in that he will be the sacrifice for what is dead. Mankind is dead, dead in sin. I want to turn back to Luke and continue there. <clears throat> With those things in mind, we continue in verse 32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest so they are again just as john has said over here hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord the king of israel they are pulling this from psalms 118 why are they doing this it's passover remember it's the hiel they are going to be singing these places as they get ready for passover so as you put your marker right here, we're going to come back to Luke. I want to look on page 704, Psalms 118. If you want a place to read this, uh, this week, the... The Hiel would be an awesome place from Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. But we're going to just talk about briefly a little bit about this place of uh, Psalms 118. It's truly considered a song, a psalms, a song that they sang of deliverance. It's a psalm that comes because they needed his help. 
And it starts out, I want you to look on uh, 703, verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. This, is, this sets the, the understanding of, of how we want to see this psalms. Giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. And then it goes through and begins to talk about how that is and what goodness that we see in the Lord and his mercy. So it's a wonderful place to read. But if you come down to verse 21... Uh, 19. I, I wanted to read you this whole Psalms, but let's start in 19. <laughs> it says, Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise him, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. He's saying, this is the help I need, and this is what you are doing. You are my salvation. And then it says in verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's so interesting because this uh, phrase, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, is a song that oftentimes we sing if it's a really bright, beautiful, wonderful day, and we're just singing, and we just want a good song, and we sing that little song, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. You know that little song, we will rejoice and be glad in it? But when you come right here, and you read this, it has a whole different understanding. What he's saying is, because God has made him our salvation, that we will be able to walk through the doors of righteousness. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day we should rejoice in. Not whether our day is going well or not but that he has answered our need. If you go on and you see in verse 25, it says, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. That, oh man, that gets so misunderstood right there. It doesn't mean prosperity that you're going to have a lot of money, Adam. That's not what it is. What it is is the prosperity of your salvation. So mistaught. Then 26 says, and this is where uh, Luke and John pull this from, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What they're saying is the one who will bring this deliverance, this salvation, this help that we need. But you see over here in John, we see how they've misunderstood that. They want this place of you coming as king to overtake all the problems that we're having. Turn back to Luke and um, your, your marker on page 1210. It says, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Peace in heaven. You see, Luke understood what he was writing. He's saying, yes, blessed is this day. This is the day. And blessed is the king who comes in the name of Yahweh. Peace then will be in heaven. He will bring peace between mankind and Almighty God. Then it says in verse 39, And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He's saying, listen, we don't want to be hearing them singing this to you. Make them be quiet. And it's interesting, in verse 40, Jesus says to him, he says, But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. He's going, you can't silence the voice of God. If these people don't sing, God will even bring it out of the stones. It will happen. Then verse 41 is an interesting and troubling passage. It says, Now he drew near and saw the city and wept over it. So there's this big parade going on. People are cheering Jesus. People are saying, Oh, you're the king, you're the king, and we're laying down palm branches for you to be honored on, and, and you're coming in. And it says, Jesus comes near and he saw the city of Jerusalem and he wept. This word wept is not just a little cry. It is a loud, sobbing, audible grief, lamenting, very visual weeping. Let's read on. Saying, if you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. As Jesus comes in and he sees the city and he knows their hearts. It brings him to tears. He sees what they want. We just want you to fix our problems. We just want you to make our physical worlds feel better. We just want you to be king so that all of our lives will be right. And then here's the Pharisees over there, and they're saying, we don't want to even hear any of this. 
And Jesus knows what's in each and every heart. He sees this city of mankind, which is so symbolic of each one of us, as being fickle, of being blind. It says, you know, now they're, they're hidden from your eyes. That what would bring you peace, <clears throat> what you really need, is hidden, hidden from your eyes. You can't even see what you need. And your hearts are, are so full of pride and religious spirit and arrogance and sinful ways and unbelief that you can't even see where you are and what you need. And it brought Jesus to tears. Not just a little bit of tears, but sobbing tears. Because he knew the destruction that would now come. So in verse 43, he says, because you're, you're this way and you don't even know what you need here in peace, he said, for the day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close in on you on every side. Have you ever felt that way? The enemy would begin to close in on every side, that he would build up against you. That's what he's saying. This is going to happen. The enemy is going to have a right to destroy you. And he goes on and he says, you know, and, and level you. Not, not just beat on you a little bit. He's going to level you. I thought about these fires as they brought destruction out there and we see the pictures of leveling that devastation it's just leveled and it says and your children within you to the ground and they will leave in you no one stone upon another there won't even be where the building has been there won't even be two stones stacked together It'll just be broken down. He knows this time is coming and that they would see this in the physical in 70 AD, just about 35 years, a little less than 35 years from the very time he's speaking this. The enemy will come and the Emperor Titus and the Romans will come in and they will level the temple and bring destruction to God's people to the Jewish people they'll bring destruction in fact as I began to study a little bit I saw that one million Jewish people died in one day from the destruction Jesus could see. He knew. And it says, all this is going to happen. And the very last part of that sentence says, because you did not know the time of your visitation. 
You did not know I was calling you. You did not know I was here. You did not know I wanted you to follow me. Because you did not choose to hear my call. You did not value the peace that I was bringing between you and the Father. Destruction is intimate. It will happen. Jesus came to loose the opportunity for peace. But many, as he saw here, would not receive it. I want to finish reading in Luke. It says in verse 45, Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear. So there are several groups of people. There are the people that are out to kill him. There are the people that are listening. There are the people that are listening, but they really, their hearts really want something different. They're singing and joyful and everything looks right, but their hearts are different. They want something different than what Jesus is bringing. Turn with me to a scripture. Let me see. Luke 13. It's just a few pages back. Page 1202. Jesus again is writing right here, and it says in verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. He's saying, you know, God's been, the Father has been trying to bring you. Yahweh has been trying to bring you to this understanding through all the prophets, through all the writings, through all the understandings in the Old Testament, and through Jesus. But you killed him. You didn't listen to him. How often I've wanted to gather you, to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. Jesus is saying, I've wanted, ever since I've been here, I've wanted you to understand. I want to gather you up. I, I don't want you to be destroyed. I want you to get right here under my wing. That will provide the peace between you and the destruction that can come from your sin. But it says you weren't willing. I've wanted to. 
I've come to you. I've tried to open your eyes, but you weren't willing. 35 says, see, your house is left to you desolate. And assuredly, I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There'll be a day when he comes back. But the destruction will have already happened. I love the, the great understanding in, in John and in Luke that helps us to see Jesus is coming in such a way to say to the people, he's coming on a colt. I'm bringing a peace treaty between you and the wrath of God. It's been tied up. It's been forbidden that you would be able to have this peace. But I've come to loose it that you can be in peace. You can be in alignment. You can be in the love This Psalms 118, I, I was reminded to, when I was reading it this morning, and, and uh, it, this place that Daniel taught several months ago on this place of Hasid, love, that is the love of this 118 that the Father has for all of those that would receive. So this has such a great and wonderful understanding that we can come and sing in this great place and join in to this Hiel. <clears throat> there is a great place if our hearts are in the right place. But if our hearts are not, then I want you to know that I believe with all my heart today that Jesus is weeping, sobbing, because you do not know the destruction that is to come. You do not receive his peace. Your eyes are blinded that you're okay. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know Jesus was coming and talking to you and trying to open your eyes. You chose to turn the other direction that's a chilling place but there was one more place that God gave me this morning as I finished studying he said this is a, a place that has to be taught we, we have to awaken people to the truth and he said there was another visitation in the days of Moses and Moses is on the rock, and he wants to see God. And God, out of his great love, he says, you can't see me face to face. You can't. You will die. In your, in your state of where you are, you can't come face to face with me. You will, not, you will not live. But he said, I will show you. 
I will put you in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand. And as the Lord passes by, you will be able to see the visitation. Moses saw the visitation. And he walked into the fullness and the purpose that God had for him. I pray today that if you're here today, that if you've heard this message, your heart would be challenged to say, have I, do I have my eyes open? Am I seeing his visitation? Am I seeing that he's calling me and his purpose for my life? And have I surrendered to what he offers? Stand with me, please. Hey!